If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. We would like to acknowledge the Turbal and Yagara people as the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet, and we would like to pay respect to the elders past, present, and emerging. Thank you. And welcome to General Queries, a podcast about the Brisbane queer scene. I am your host, Talia. The dulcet tones of your lovely co-host, Megan, was just twerking to white the White girl twerking. Yeah, white Can girl. we please, like, put in <laughs> white girl twerking? I cannot twerk for shit. I don't know how y'all do it, but I cannot twerk at all. It was... It was like that, like, you know, when you see, like, a girl in the club and she's like... Uh, I mean, I've got like a big butt, but you know the girls who yeah. have like a like a flat butt and mm-hmm. they're just like moving their hips a lot. That's how I twerk. Well, I was, I was um, the tw- only saving grace is that I have a big butt. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was recently talking to Jonathan about the fact that um, I really need because Jonathan's very into scar, as I have discussed. Um, and I had I was having I love a dis- you, Jonathan, but yeah. fucking scar, <laughs> and I will never turn my back on scar. scar. <laughs> uh, I was recently d- talking with Jonathan about the fact that we really need to do a scar cover of no. the General Chris. We're not doing that. But what We're if we not also, doing it. What if we also did um, like a rave cover? No. <laughs> No, it's perfect the way that it is. It's adorable. It's endearing. It's a bop. Can we just leave it? I don't understand why people are obsessed with remixes. Like, like a version. Like, I do love some of the like a version stuff that's come out. But for fuck's sake, can we just... Some things are just sacred. (laughs) And no one even cares about etymology. So now that Megan's gotten really passionate... Apparently that's a trigger for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um. <laughs> Hi. So, so now that now Welcome. that we've now that we've gotten Megan all riled up, um, I'm also joined in the studio with one of my darling friends. Um, I would love to introduce everyone to Missy. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Introduce yourself. Go What's on. up, ho? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm Missy. Um, I'm graduating journalism at the moment. About yes, to go into yes, yes. education. It's good. It's good. Which should be super fun. Um, so I'm uh, d- 
demisexual. I'm like pan or biromantic or We've something like that. We've never had people who are demisexual before. Oh, I'm the first. Yeah. I feel honoured. Yeah. <laughs> Our demi virginity. And I am uh, gender fluid as well. So I usually use they, them pronouns, but I'll accept anything so long as people are talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on. I, this, is a two, this is a two mood system because, you know, most people are like, what are your pronouns? So I'm like, my pronouns are don't refer to me ever, please. <laughs> uh, and please you're like, not speak. And your, your pronouns are please talk to me. <laughs> yeah, what a mood. So hang on. I, I interrupted you with the demisexual thing. So you're demisexual. You're. Pan, pan or bi. Pan or I'm bi not romantic. 100% or, yeah. Not what 100% on the. I'm pretty sure every bi person. Better. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure I'm every like, bi person. I turned to my girlfriend the other day. I'm like, am I a lesbian? Am I pan? I don't. What? And she's like, it's fine. Just just leave it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you're okay. Yeah, Everything yeah. is fine. So demisexual, pan or bi-romantic, and gender, gender fluid. fluid. Yeah. I just tell people I'm queer because it's easy. What Tom a word. mood. What a <laughs> big mood. I do exactly the same thing. I, like, go, I'm queer, I'm bi, I'm gay. Like, I just kind of, like, yep. fuck around with it. It doesn't matter. You're, you're valid. It's fine. I mean, every time I compliment, so, like, one of my friends and tell them they're pretty, I'm like, this is gay. It doesn't matter what gender you are. This is gay. Super okay? gay. My yeah. gender is whatever the gender is that makes this interaction gay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what in the world is a demisexual? Wow, I I'm think glad I you know, asked. but, like, <laughs> I genuinely, like, yeah, like, I, I'm – Fascinated by like demisexuality and demi romanticism. Yeah. Um, so, so I've kind of seen a few loose uh, definitions, but the definition that I use for myself is uh, it's you can feel uh, sexual attraction to someone, but only kind of after you get to know them really well and you have like a really close bond with them, which a lot of people kind of say, oh, well, that's just how everyone works. Like most of the time, that's just normal. And I'm like, well, first of all, what's normal? But secondly... As <laughs> but also I can confirm that that's yeah. not true. It's also like, like if, if that was true, we wouldn't have hookup culture go Yeah, off. that's yeah. the thing. There's like a, there's a difference between uh, being sexually attracted to someone <laughs> and being down to get down. Yeah. And that's because... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to murder your ghost. <laughs> That's okay, we've gone, gone through what? We've gone through what? Yeah, we've absolutely gone. Oh, girl. <laughs> But yeah, that's the like for me. I've been attracted to like one person, and that's it. Um, and that's fair. That's fair and valid. I mean, for other people, it's more than that. For me, it's it's so far one person. Yeah. For me, I turn around in the street and I'm like, I <laughs> they sexy. <laughs> 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 yeah, some people are like super duper. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, can we just talk about me for a minute? Um, so, like, in contrast to that, I feel that sexual attraction and like emotional bond and romanticism are actually quite separate. So, for me, it's like I can be sexually attracted to somebody, and you could sleep with somebody, um, and like have no like other relationship with them whatsoever you could just be friends and like that whole like physical hey look you don't even affection. have to get to know them you like. know no, but like you could be friends and that whole physical um affection is part of your friendship mm. you could be romantically attracted to them and and sleep with them like you can have like all of these different layers and also have a sexual relationship with somebody yeah. um whereas from what i understand from what you're saying sex 
and or sexual attraction at the very least and emotional bonds are actually inextricably linked for you is that what is happening yeah. for you is that like yeah. an accurate I mean, description like obviously I can have like an emotional bond without having attraction yeah, but I can't mm-hmm. I personally can't have that attraction without having like a very strong like emotional connection with somebody Tight. So we can cut this out if you don't want to like answer the question. Um, so the person that you are like attracted to now is like that your partner or yeah. like cool. Yeah. All right. And tell us about that. Like how did you <laughs> like how did you come to that? How did you come to be with this person? We actually met at a church. <laughs> <laughs> at, this at, is like, better by the second. <laughs> at like a connect group. Um, right, okay. Very, very homophobic church was not great. I think we kind of bonded over that a little bit. Yeah. I gave him my Twitter handle. Um, very, That's the first I think sign I of gave, flooding. I think I gave that very early on. The next level is giving them your Tumblr. <laughs> because I was and like, then comes the Instagram. I was like, I'm going to give you my Twitter handle. You're going to find out very quickly that I am a raging queer. And then yeah. if you have a problem with that, this won't go any further. And I don't need to have that conversation face to face. As it turned out, the raging queer thing kind of worked out in my favor. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> So being gender fluid, right, as a cis woman, what is that? <laughs> oh, also, me. again, you're the only cis person in this I room. I am once Go again on, the yeah. only cis person. <laughs> I'm always either the only allosexual, the only cis person, or both. So yes. <laughs> in today's instance. In today's instance. Porque yeah. las dos. Um, yeah, so tell me about being gender fluid. What does it mean? Yeah. How can you be any other gender than the one you were born as? Oh. <laughs> um, I think gender fluid is one of those things that is very dependent on the person who's experiencing it. Um, but basically it means that your relation to gender or your I, how you identify with gender kind of changes and that can change depending on who you're with or it can change on the day I mean some people go through sometimes I will go through periods of like weeks or months where I just feel like a man or I just feel like a woman or I feel like some variation of both or neither and that can last weeks or it can last a day or sometimes halfway through the day I'm like I don't feel like this anymore I want to wear like a different outfit because this makes me kind of dysphoric and in that way sometimes it's kind of hard to manage that because uh you know when you get up in the morning and it seems like such a trivial thing I guess to think about like just the way the clothes you're wearing look but you know, when you plan an outfit for a day and then partway through the day, you're like, I'm wearing a dress and now I feel like a man and I feel uncomfortable in this dress because I know it makes other people view me more as a woman. So it can be kind of difficult to to manage in, in that way. But um, for the most part, like I'm definitely proud of being gender fluid. Um, and it's a very, I think it's a very big part of who I am and definitely of how I present myself to other people. Like my uh exterior like aesthetic is constantly changing to match how I feel on at any given time and like that's like that brings up like a whole other thing of how like weird it is that we gender clothing as well Mm -hmm. like um but like can I ask just jumping in here um like uh in NB dysphoria like non-binary dysphoria what's 
um, again, we can cut this if it's, if it's too personal a question, That's but what, what's that like for you? Because I'm, I'm it, almost comparing experiences here, I guess. Yeah. Because um, I, yeah, just to, just to clarify, like being non-binary is quite a personal experience mm-hmm. and I think people kind of forget that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I literally have no idea what it would feel like mm. to and be that. And I mean, that. Not, not every non-binary person has dysphoria yeah, as well. That's like, true. And gender euphoria, I find, is a very big thing yeah. um, as well. Like that was one of the main things above dysphoria that made me realize that I was um, trans was gender euphoria was like exploring, you know, kind of masculine and neutral identities and feeling like, wow, this feels great. Actually. I think I lean this way sometimes. I've never heard of that gender Um, euphoria. I mean, it's kind of basically the opposite. It's like feeling it's, it's that feeling of like rightness. Like when you feel like you, you change something about the way you look and you feel like that really represents you. Like it just sits perfectly and Holy makes you feel good. Because yeah, like that's you how are, I feel all the time. Because yeah, I'm like, like mm. yeah, I'm a I'm a woman. Mother. Yeah. Like <laughs> one of the um, biggest moments for me was like when I finally got all my hair like cut and shaved off was damn. like such a big moment when I looked in the mirror and I was like, I finally feel like I look on the outside so much more like what I feel like on the inside because I feel like it's such a thing that um, – it's not super gendered. Like I can make it look feminine. I can make it look Damn. masculine and it just really works for me. Um, That's how I either. felt when I had all my hair cut yeah. off as well. But I think in a different <laughs> in a, way, yeah. cause I was like, I'm still a girl, but it was like very, yeah. it's, it is, it does feel very freeing for yeah. like no, different reasons. I felt like I looked more like a queer mm. and that's how like, uh, I, yeah, it, yeah. Know, I felt and, um, gender dysphoria on the other hand is like, for me, sometimes it's, like top dysphoria, like physical mm. dysphoria where I kind of have very noticeable cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm not in a place at the moment where I can really wear a binder um, because I'm still living with my parents and I'm not out to them. Um, mm. and, and having a binder, like just having a binder in your own home, it can be quite a scary thing. Um, mm. Like you're having to get it washed regularly, making sure that people don't actually yeah. notice that you're wearing a binder is, is quite terrifying. Like, it, I guess it's it's a little bit better in, in winter months, but in summer months it can be downright mortifying Yeah. Um, to, yeah, go through that. So, mm. yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's one of the things. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes just looking at yourself and, I mean, there's different types of dysphoria. Like sometimes it's that physical dysphoria where you look at yourself and you feel like your body doesn't match like what you feel. But then other times there's like social dysphoria, which is like where you kind of know that other people are seeing something that you don't feel like that's what you're putting out, I guess is how I would explain it. So I can have a day where I look in the mirror and I feel 100% like I'm a man I look at myself and I see like a man looking back at me but I know that like my facial structure the way my body looks like other people look at me and they see women and maybe they see gay women or maybe they see you know a woman trying to be something else but they see woman and so um and I think that's the biggest thing for me because I know that as androgynous as I can make my aesthetic like without doing surgery or something like that. Like I can't change the way my face looks. I can't take away that signifier to other people. And sometimes like, even though I'm like, I kind of don't care what other people think, it's also hard not to feel um, 
to feel kind of like invalidated just by the fact that you know so many people that that's how people see you yeah it's it and it's it's a lot of really small things um in like you know people will call you mom or or, or miss or they'll open a door for you making assumptions yeah regarding mm. uh, like you know I, i'm glad that you're showing me a common courtesy of opening a door but i also understand that you're only doing that because you're a, yeah. an older gentleman who thinks that I'm a younger lady. And, and that is quite, yeah, there's something about that that I can't quite put into words currently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I just like low key say though, that if you're like a misandrist and like <laughs> yell at a man for opening a door for you, you're trash. Mm. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Cause like I would do that for a man also. Like mm. I've done that. Like, yeah. yeah. It's I just mean, I hold the door for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just bloody respectful. Like it happened to my dad the other day and my poor dad, bless his sweet soul. Like he is like a pure and honest man. And like, People will just treat him like garbage because, like, he is, like, you know, from a small town, like, speaks, like, you know, in more of a broad Australian accent. Mm-hmm. He's, like, an like an older man, like a middle-aged man. People will just treat him like garbage because, like, oh, you're opening a door for me? Like, I can do that myself. And it's like, oh, I'm, and he literally said, oh, I'm so sorry I mistook you for a lady. And, like, not in a, like, I opened this door for you because you are a woman. It's, oh, I mistook you for somebody that respects me as a human being. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, like... I, to- I totally get that as like a, I know you're doing this because mm. socially mm. W- men should open doors for women, but also like, yeah, I've heard of people yeah. that are like, I can do that myself. And it's usually like young white women, like young white cis women. And it's like, <laughs> I get it. You, you Girl. read, you read like <laughs> half a chapter of Jermaine Greer and all of a sudden you think you're like you, the pinnacle of feminism. <laughs> you, you like Virginia Woolf and therefore. Like, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, so, sorry. No, no, I, I, would, <laughs> I am a young white woman, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually really like. I know Mega wants to like uh, ask about like the church and stuff like that. I actually really want to ask we'll about um, all of your stuff in journalism. And yep. you were you were telling us yes. before about um, the um, essay that you were writing about um, pronouns as an ethical issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I had like an ethics class where we had to pick an ethical issue and do uh, a presentation in front of everyone um, about an ethical issue and basically like persuade everyone that, uh, you know, kind of how to go about that ethical issue in journalism. Oh, big oof. <laughs> <laughs> and so the person who went before me mentioned pronouns as part of their um, presentation just as an aside and the tutor said um you know gave her good comments on her on her presentation but said oh but pronouns weren't really really relevant they're not an ethical issue and then I went up next with my entire presentation being about pronouns and misgendering in the media um and then had the extra task of then trying to convince him that pronouns are in fact an ethical issue um, because misgendering (laughs) people is inherently violent please don't misgender people (laughs) yeah i don't know if you've seen um i watched this sorry this this is relevant i swear um i don't know if you've seen that video of the trans woman in like a gaming store yeah yeah Yeah. and he tell me sorry tell me what happens because i have not and he being the like shop attendant um was 
continually continuously misgendering this woman. Um, the thing is, is that this trans woman did look quite masculine in their features. So the shop ascendant was kept saying, sir, sir, sir. And the start of the video is this trans woman screaming at this young boy, ma'am, it's ma'am. And if you, and like, like basically like screaming and swearing at this boy, like stop calling me, sir. Like give me your corporate number. So you are misgendering me. Like stop. It's ma'am. I am a woman. It's ma'am. And this boy is like trying to go like, I'm sorry. Like I said that I was sorry. Like I said, ma'am, like, um, and like, obviously he's like trying to deescalate the situation. But if you read the post of the trans woman, they've said, look, I know that I was screaming and like really angry, but the video doesn't show what happened before that. When he, when the shop attendant, he misgendered me like five times while I was trying to get this thing done and the service was garbage and they just kept doing it and they kept doing it after I corrected them. I corrected them every time. And this was me just losing it. And, and, the the lady's like, look, I know that I maybe shouldn't have gone off, but I don't regret it because, like, they just kept doing it every time I corrected them. They just kept doing it. Yeah. Um. And I truly cannot imagine what that is like. Yeah. And like, it, I mean, it follows that whole thing where that ridiculous meme that's like, oh, did you just assume my gender? Like, the thing is, like, most trans people that I've met, I've never that met a trans. I know. That- uh, if you accidentally misgender them once because you don't know, they'll like correct you or let somebody else correct you. It's yeah. when you like repeatedly misgender people or On intentionally, purpose. purposely misgender them, especially mm-hmm. that it's like a big deal because you're doing that intentionally. Like that's not that's not a passive action. That's not um, like there is something behind that, yeah. and that is that is like misgendering people is inherently violent. I had like I know knew this girl at school, and um, there was a trans man in like our cohort, like in our class, and we went on like a school trip, and um, this girl kept saying, "Oh, she does this, she does that," and I turned to this girl and I'm like, "They're a man, like they're he." And, and this girl goes, oh, like, I'm so sorry. It's just so hard to remember. And the worst part about it was that this trans man looked so masculine. Like, they had obviously, like, done – like, they wore masculine clothes. I think they wore a binder. Like, yeah. they looked so masculine. I feel you that there is – You are trying so much to pass. Yeah, and I feel that there is no excuse at that point. But I also have this beautiful friend who's, like um, – whose pronouns are they them but they have quite a like a feminine name and like a feminine aesthetic and I will often misgender them by accident and they are always so nice about it and I'm like Mm. oh my god I'm so sorry and they're Mm. like no it's fine like don't worry about it it's all good and it just must be so exhausting like it's 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 interesting because um like especially once once you bring in like you know they them pronouns and neo pronouns um the I idea that this is something that you need to ask for is not something that people why 
widely accept, I guess. Um, like, and then there's this whole issue of like, we're still not, even in queer spaces themselves, we're still not at that point of trans and, and gender non-conforming acceptance. Yeah. So even asking for someone's pronouns can accidentally out someone. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting, I don't personally have an answer to, to that mm. issue, but it's, it's a really interesting issue to kind of just even Time. consider. Yeah. So I, in my um, university travels, I've come across quite a number of people who use the, the did you just assume my gender joke? Yeah. And I've never <sighs> heard a more cis-centric approach to gender um, <laughs> because it makes so many assumptions regarding um, like how like gender is something that society is societally sort of placed over you and placed over a number of other factors is kind of like this umbrella that encompasses everything. And it, it comes from a, a lack of, um, I think, uh, consideration for, for everything. Um, so it's, when you actually meet, a, like, you know, you meet someone who, who says, did you just assume my gender? And you're like, you've obviously never met someone who, has openly identified as trans or gender non-conforming and like it's really difficult to kind of say what you're doing is an act of violence because to them it's just a meaningless joke Mm. um which is yeah it's really difficult because they they refuse to kind of see I know that I I constantly go on about like empathy and and closed-mindedness on this podcast but that is basically what it comes down to like you refuse to kind of see another point of view and you, you refuse to deconstruct the, the systems under which you're placed. Um, but I, I like with people like that, I, I constantly say like one of the best things cis people can do to help gender nonconforming people, to help trans people, to help non-binary people is to they themselves question their own gender identity and in questioning their own gender identity and questioning their presentation and questioning the rules that they're placed under. I think that is an experience in uh, an exercise in empathy that helps them come a little bit closer to an experience that they're so far removed from. Yeah. But yeah. And even literally just try like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) even simple things like there's, you know, there's been a push for years on like Twitter for people to put their pronouns in their bio, Mm -hmm. especially if they're like cis people to put pronouns in their bio, because it kind of helps take away that assumption that you can look at a profile picture, see long hair, say woman, she, Mm -hmm. um, because, um, yes, that person may look like have long hair, look like what we think a woman looks like and use she, her pronouns, but having them there for people to see kind of makes people like double take like they question that like um why does this person need pronouns there if she's obviously a woman type thing like it starts to make people consider that and consider pronouns as an issue and then when you see someone who doesn't have those pronouns in their bio then maybe um inside themselves they'll think oh they don't have that visible I don't know what their pronouns are as opposed to just going and assuming what that person is um and it's like it's such a simple thing to do that um that could do a little bit of help yeah like (laughs) like talking about your own pronouns and like going into spaces and saying you know hi my name is John I use he him pronouns yeah um just doing something like that in spaces actively opens up a, a dialogue um of yeah, regarding like, that, like it, it sets a precedent and yeah. it kind of shows to other people who may be trans maybe non-binary or whatever um that you know it, it's a safe place to share your pronouns because like generally people who 
do share pronouns are like people who are going to be more accepting of trans people because mm. they have that consideration in mind. Yeah. So like letting tr- the tr- any trans people in the room, uh, whether out or not, know that it's a safe place, that you're a safe person can can be a really big thing. Yeah, and, and like it is so difficult. Like we talk a lot about sexuality on this, this yeah. podcast, um, but sexuality – don't you can have gender you can have discussions on gender without discussing sexuality but you can't discuss sexuality without discussing gender Mm -hmm. so gender is really at the crux of of everything and, and the way we currently run our society and it's so um overarching or or um foundational yeah that it's you don't you don't even realize what you're doing until you try to be you start becoming aware of it it's yeah. like it wasn't until I, I started operating I guess in in queer spaces that I realized just how insidious um assumptive gender gender assumptions are you know just you know calling and people trans people who can't who can't transition who can't change their name who you know they've tried to come out to their parents but their parents are unaccepting you know there's trans people have it hard that's that's my end point to this trans people have it hard and it's shit and people (laughs) need to practice empathy and just be kinder i think yeah church so the church (laughs) i was just sorry i was just actually really just soaking that in like as a as a cis person um yeah i was just kind of like thinking about like how i would feel if someone referred to me as like a man or like with they them pronouns and i was like oh sorry that's 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 another (laughs) thing um when cis people think about trans people they always think about it in the wrong way yeah i find they always think about it like they go um how would i as a cis woman like you know sorry i as a cis woman want to so badly be a man i will go and and do all these surgeries to become a man but they're thinking about it wrong they're going they need to start thinking i a biological woman i a woman am so easily construed as a man that violence will come to me Mm. if i try to step outside of that yeah so, yeah. So the church. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just like, yeah. If if you were this person, just just have a little ruminate on that, because yeah, I, I had some little some little revelations there. It's good. I need to I need to be more aware. Yeah. No, I've said before, like, you know, I'm just like, I may be like, oh, sometimes I have homophobic slurs at me, or like someone glances at me weird in the street, but at least I'm not literally gonna die. Um, Anyway, <laughs> so the church, um, yeah. How was like? How was that for you? The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> Growing um, up religious and queer. Give us your top five. Give pointers. us a tale. It's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, being in a church, I started off at the church. I spent the most amount of time on. I started off in the youth group when I was probably 17. So a bit late, like I went on one of their summer camps, which was kind of an intense experience. They did, they had, it was three day camp. Um, The first night the sermon was pretty good. Like I enjoyed it. I was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. I could get behind this. The second night uh, was the pastor 
doing that stereotypical anti-sex sermon which is the variation of he like spat in a soda can and was like this is what you are if you have sex no one will want you and Mm. Zane's face (laughs) right now honestly is just (laughs) my brain always when we talk about sex ed in the church anyway please continue yeah that kind of kind of set the precedent for where the church stands on most things um but I kind of was in that place where like I hadn't come out even to myself yet I was still a little baby thought I was this het (laughs) oh did you mean straight by default (laughs) yeah it's a mood it's a big old mood (laughs) um so I ended up coming back and like joining the church and over time like I joined their um worship team and became one of the youth leaders um which meant that like I was kind of in charge of like helping out with the like I think they're 12 to 17 year olds um talking with them after sermons on Friday nights at youth uh like going through what was said and how it applies to them that kind of thing um and one of the things was as time progressed I kind of got more and more visibly queer but was not in a place where I could come out to anyone so like I knew what the church's stance on things were um and I I just wasn't able to come out in that space but then as a leader I was having these these young teens who were like coming up to me like coming out to me as queer themselves and like sometimes it would be like there was a time on uh, a summer camp like a year or two after I'd been the first time where the pastor did a very similar sermon but also mentioned like um homosexuality uh in a very negative way and you know I'd have these girls like coming up to me afterwards like in private in like back in the dorm rooms um like in tears like I like girls like this this is bad like kind of thing and it's like how how do you deal with that as a person who who is like struggling yourself to come out and then to be in charge of this and to know that the organization that you are in charge of these kids for wants you to say yes that's bad but you can change when I know that like I don't want them to change they don't have to change they're perfectly fine the way they are what did you say to them I mean I kind of I had some like scriptural stuff, which I don't know anymore off the top of my head, but things that like I'd done research myself um, and found these like queer affirming passages in the Bible and things that people had said and resources that I had at the time, which I haven't been to the church in a long time. So I don't really have those anymore, but I kind of gave them this stuff, but very quietly. It was one of those things that I think we kind of both knew this wasn't something that should go any further like to anyone else. Fun um, fact. And that's so – like it's hard and it must be hard for them as well to like yeah. – I mean yeah. at least they have one person that yeah. they can – that they could talk about it too but like to not have anyone else in that organisation that claims to be their second family type thing. Um, yeah. That was so amazing yeah. of you though and to we be don't, there. As, like as youth – I don't know about youth pastors, what kind of training they get, but like as youth leaders, we don't even get training for that kind of thing. Like we don't get training on how yeah. to counsel kids in any situation, let alone 
like a closeted queer kid. Youth pastors um, do. Fun fact, yeah. usually youth pastors get some sort of qualification and yeah. youth pastors will then often go on and do like um, – theology at uni or mm. counselling at uni. So yeah. fun fact for all you guys. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's like it's a hard position to be in that they don't really give you any prep for. They just kind of throw the Bible passages at you and toss you out there. I think it's more for you to be like someone to look up to. So mm. like I think – also I'm really sorry. I thought you had finished and then I interrupted no, you before. Fine. But fun fact, um, and this has been confirmed by – a person that I know who has studied theology and reads the Bible in Greek on the reg. Um, the Greek to English translation of the passage in the Bible where it says man shall not lie with man mm. is incorrectly translated. Yeah. It's actually like a commandment against pedophilia. So man shall not lie with boy. Yep. And it's just been incorrectly translated. So hot take on that, <laughs> my friends. I've heard so many um, different versions of Leviticus. I genuinely don't know which one yeah, to believe yeah. anymore. And that's not, the thing is that in like church institutions, they're like the Bible is the word of God. It's infallible. And whether like whether you're religious or not, whether you believe in God or not, like if you believe that uh what it says in the Bible is the word of God. You have to remember that that's been translated over and over again and you can't translate anything perfectly. There are words that exist in languages today that we don't have explanation, that we don't have uh, translations for properly and the best we can do is kind of like try and try and make words around that, try and explain the definition of that word and we don't always do it perfectly. Yeah. Do you really think that something that was written so long ago in like a, a dead language is going to have a perfect translation? Like it just doesn't work that way. It's also not as complex as people think it is. Like a lot of these like letters to that Paul wrote and everything were like letters to his mates and he's like, mm. hey, I hear you're having this issue. Let me help you out with that. But also this has been my rhetoric for so long for so long um because like I definitely believe that there is like a higher power for mm. sure I just don't subscribe to people's religious ideologies yeah. um but if you truly believe in the Bible and you truly believe in Jesus and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, at the start of the Bible in like the Old Testament um we had that whole Ten Commandments covenant. That's why circumcision exists. That's the yeah. covenant. They are the commandments that you follow. That's it. That's the laws that God made. Um, then when Jesus was crucified, that was the new covenant. So like ultimate sacrifice, lamb of God, all of that kind of nice stuff. And Jesus gave literally two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And that is it. Yeah. They're the only things that you have to do. I don't subscribe to all of this other bullshit about like, oh, well, what about this? No, like you have two, you have two rules. You have two things to do. That is it. And you're kind of already failing on and one of them. Already, <laughs> you're already like zoning out about it. And not to mention Jesus hung out with lepers and prostitutes and homeless people and criminals and like all of the like oh, also, untouchables. And also when asked like by a whole bunch of men, hey, I really like women. What do I got to do to stop myself from being an adulterer? Jesus was like, yes. So uh, cut off your hands. Yeah. Take out your eyes. Jesus himself was the ultimate radical little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> radical yeah, little bitch. Straighty ones. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, if you truly believe in being Christ-like. Mm. I saw this guy in King George Square, like, with, like, a microphone and he was being screamed at by this guy who was, like, the church is, like, full of pedophilia. And he was, like, literally just, like, ignoring the student, trying to, like, yep. clap back at him. And I was like, man, like, this is not what Jesus would have done. I truly do not believe that if you believe in Jesus and you believe in like a Christ-like attitude, um, I don't believe that this yeah. is what Jesus would have done. He would have gone to hang out with like all the people that, you know, necessarily wouldn't be considered good people and he would go and hang out with them and just chat with them and like chill out and, mm. you know. I mean, let's be real. The Jesus who went and trashed the mar- marketplace, the temple – would absolutely be banging on the doors of these churches saying, what are you doing? And why are you turning these people away? Like, why are you doing this? Throwing hands. Like that is my Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) We should wrap up. We should wrap up. Um, Thank you so much for for coming (laughs) in. Now that we've like radicalized these little bitches. Um, No, no, no. I'm still down for Jesus was the original radical bitch. Um, Let's not put that on a sticker. We may anger people. We may anger Um, people. Because it's out of context. Um, Just just a random question. Again, you don't have to answer it. But um, do you still identify as Christian considering everything the church? I am personally – um, I'm not in a church at the moment. I mean, I've had some good experiences with like MCC seem lovely. I've been there a few times. I've met one of their pastors. They seem lovely. Uh, they're uh, gay and like queer affirming church. Indrapilly Uniting Church will also perform same sex marriages. Just awesome. hot take. Yeah. The Uniting Church has a policy that each church will decide whether or not to conduct those services. Okay. Not like a blanket rule for all the Uniting Churches. Just okay. a hot take. Yeah. Yeah, no, I still do, but I haven't really I haven't really been in that institution. That's, <laughs> That's kind of the thing that I have a problem with the is is the, is that institution. Yeah. And I mean, there's like, I've kind of looked into some different variations where you've got things like the Quakers, um, which I sound very interesting, um, which I could talk for ages about <laughs> that, yeah. but I don't think we have time. No, we do not. <laughs> we'll, have it back. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, One we'll day. Come back. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. There, there's like, um, there's definitely places out there for uh, religious people of like any religion um, who identify as part of the lgbt plus community um you just have to find them and they're not always the loudest ones that you hear about yeah um would you have any validations that you like to give out (laughs) um i guess i would just say like if you are a young person uh at all but especially if you are in a religious institution or religious family and you identify as part of the community in any way, like you are so valid and nothing that the institution tells you can can take your identity away. Please don't let them make you hate yourself uh, because that's just a big trap that takes a very long time to get out of. And some people don't, like some people spend their entire lives pretending to be straight or cis when they're not. And it's really not worth it you're better off living your truth and uh, whatever that means for you, whether that means upholding your spirituality or your religion outside of those institutions or whether it means leaving those behind. 
please look after yourself and and be true to who you are. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was wholesome. Um, this is, that was <laughs> beautiful. Um, everyone out there in podcasting land, um, yeah, kind of riffing off what have, what Missy has said. Um, you are valid no matter what institutions try to tell you. Um, and I promise you there is a found family out there for you and you will find it. The future is out there and it's bright. And we will see you all next week. Stay safe, my friends. Peace out. Good morrow, mine kiotis. Tis I, your once and future pal, old Matty. Through fortuitous wheeling and or dealing, old Matty bamboozled, hoodwinked, and duped himself an official That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Delicious Word Sandwich, the only podcast that transforms literary readables into scrumptious edibles, and the only literature podcast ever made, probably. Get a questionable recipe and an impeccable book breakdown all in one by the month as old Matty reviews a New Yorker short story, shares some advice from the almighty titan and old Matty's idol, Ernest Hemingway, then finally transforms every element of classic novels into ingredients. Example? Marvel as I turn the Maltese Falcon's cynical characters into smoky bitter cheese, and its hard-boiled plot into an egg. Shell included! All the while, Delicious Word Sandwich chronicles old Maddie's madcap misadventures, in which he conquers death. So be sure to catch Delicious Word Sandwich on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and in your demonically possessed spaghetti. Until then, farewell, my kiotis. A That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.